0: So we are about to uh, link up with the prison system in California. It's actually a state hospital that I'm brain farting on the name, which I'll fix. I know this has been highly stressful. Um, The way we're going about this, of course, is we're recording a screen, not the usual interview software. In fact, they have no idea that we're recording the screen. At least I hope not. Because that would not be fun. <sighs> anyway, so what I understand is James Heidrich will be surrounded by two people that you cannot see. One of them supposedly is involved with uh, running drugs into the hospital. And uh, and there's some serious accusations with um, the things that are happening. But the guys that were going to be surrounding James, um, I don't think, are the most... Uh, well, I don't think, I don't know if they're the, the nicest kind of people in the world, but we'll see. I don't know whether or not to believe James. Um, I don't know if he's being honest. I don't know how much of this story is true. Frankly, I don't know. There's so much information on him. And with the world that we live in, with a lot of information, it's really hard to know what's true because honestly, it's very, very easy to manipulate. Heck, you can manipulate studies, you can manipulate science, you can manipulate Google, you can manipulate, I mean, my gosh, you can post on social media, and social media can go in and change what you wrote. So we live in that world now, and all I ask is that, uh, you know, you guys have an open mind, I'm going to have an open mind, and an open heart. Um, I'm just going to let James talk, because i the more information I get, the more I'm able to discern and also decide what we're going to do after this. Um, so I don't know what to expect. But the crimes that James has been accused of are brutal and not fun to read about. But he's got a story, and I'm going to let him share it. So let's join the prison. three minutes. I'm the current presenter. You know what I should do while we're sitting here? I'm going to read this amazing Bible verse that I read today, which is a huge goal of mine. Philippians two one two. If you find any comfort from being in the anointed, if his love brings you some encouragement, if you experience true companionship with the Spirit, if his tenderness and mercy fill your heart, Then, brothers and sisters, here's one thing that would complete my joy. Come together as one in mind and spirit, purpose, sharing, and the same love. Man, that's good. You know, I'm actually starting to believe that the Bible Gateway app is better than the Bible app. (laughs) I really like this thing. (sighs) Killing time, killing time. How you doing, babe? Good. You look pretty. Thank oh, you. Kalinga. Kalinga visitation number 10. Hello. Good morning, Joshua. How are you, sir?
1: Good, good. Uh, before we get this meeting started, I just got to get a uh, verification
0: that it is you who I'm trying to. Joshua Taylor, right? Joshua Tyler Berglund.
1: OK, perfect. Can I just see your ID real quick?
0: Yeah, California ID. Here we go. I have hair now. I was, can, you, can you put it a little closer to the camera? I joined the hair club for men. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man.
1: Hey, Josh. Hey. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine.
0: It's nice to meet you.
1: Same here. Same here. Yeah, you did, your hair looks good. I see that. My wife cut it. She learned on YouTube. I'm gonna have to get some. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So. Talk to me. Here's where we're going. All right, so right now, I'm talking to you from here. Wow. This is a shadow prison known as Kalinga State Hospital. Now the story how I got here, I'm, I'm gonna try to do in 30 minutes. Uh, I was born and raised in South Carolina. Uh, Aiken County is where I'm from. And um, it's uh, Beach Island, South Carolina is where I grew up. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the Savannah River I grew up on the river. I know everything about the river. I knew where alligators hid, frogs hid, uh, you name it, I knew it. Um, uh, As a child, I experienced a lot of abuse from uh, my father and witnessed other abuse. Uh, uh, While on the chain gang with my father in 1964, I saw a show on TV at the prison, at the chain gang with Bruce Lee. And I knew then that's what I'm going to have to do to protect my siblings from being beaten and stuff. So uh, I started studying martial arts. I happened to have a child psychologist named Robert Fletcher, who happened to know uh, kempo and Tang Soo Do. So he introduced me to what, he, what is known then as empty hand, uh, karate, karate, empty hand. And uh he noticed that I got I was extremely good for a nine year old and um he introduced me to some people, Master Wayne Frey and other people, uh, who took an interest in me because of my ability to read people. I mean, I knew from a, my early childhood I knew how to read people, they lied to me. Come on, go over here, we got horses and stuff like that and you get there, there's no horses. You learn how to read people's body language, eye movement and everything. I could do that in combat. Even as a kid, nine years old, I was able to do that in combat. I fought, I fought 16 year olds at, at the age of 10 and was putting them on their butt. So I was pretty good. Um, and uh, my photos and my uh, books and stuff, you can see my the shape I was in. Uh, you had to build your body like a temple. Your body is your temple, whatever you, Put in it, that's what you get out of it. So um, uh, I, w- I went on and, and met other people. Uh, and I looked up and happened to meet Grandmaster Ed Parker Sr. And Ed Parker Sr., he took a hell of an interest in me. And uh, 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 Dave German, uh, uh, Moses Powell out of New York, and other people top in the martial arts range. And uh, I, I just got really good in martial arts. Uh, I tried to join uh, the uh, uh, Army Rangers in Fort Gordon, and uh, they uh, said I had some type of low scoring on reading and writing because I was dyslexic, but they sent me at the time to uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, up at Fort Bragg, uh, and uh, put me in a special program. Uh, I Got out of the program because I didn't like it. It was something like the Brotherhood of the Rose, and um, so I went about to traveled to the United States. Went up to uh, California, met people in Hollywood. I spent a lot of time there, uh, and then uh, I um, uh, went to other places. You know, Canada, uh, just traveling the United States, and then in 1977, I'm uh, in a, a We were on Hollywood Boulevard. It's a Friday night. We have no money. And uh, and, uh, this guy that I was with had friends come by the van, say, hey, let's go, we're gonna go party, go to a party. And I'm I'm 18 years old and I said, okay, we're gonna go to a party. So I get in the van and uh, go with these guys on the party and uh, we didn't have enough money. So we went out and picked up male prostitutes and uh, I I didn't know any better. And uh, we took their money And one of the guys that was in there that was in the van on our side uh uh, rubbed his penis on this guy's face and uh throw him out on the road and everybody there was charged with uh well i think we were charged with uh forcible copulation uh then uh we were put in jail uh we stayed in jail for uh four years in L.A. county jail and i uh was uh While I was in jail, I met uh, uh, Lieutenant Michael Rupert, he was a drug drug enforcement officer. Uh, And he recruited me into an operation uh, known as boomerang. And uh, okay, we got fights out here right now. See, this is how bad this place has been getting. Right now we got fights. So uh, anyway, I wanna back up. I wanna back up just for a minute and go back to 1969. Uh, they put me in South Carolina Department of Mental Retardation because my father uh, tied me to the tree. They got busted. I was on a, tied to a tree uh, uh, with the dogs for about six months and uh, Health and Human Services caught them. If you see Psychic's Confession, you can see my mother. She comes on there and she says, you know, it's a sad thing. Uh, but it's true. Um, the um, the social services knew things were bad, but they didn't know they were leaving me there. I did. I had to uh, you know, sleep in the kitchen coop at night uh, and, and to keep warm. Uh, but at night, I learned how to pick locks and I'd go down to the river anyway and then come back and lock myself up the next morning. But still, I, I was confined all day in my son to that. and And Rather than, And the social worker at Witten Village says, well, it was the lesser of the two evils. Either I go to a, a state institution or I go to South Carolina Department of Mental Retardation because I got borderline than mental men is what they told me, which I wasn't. I just, I had a hell of a childhood, trying to mm. adjust to all kind of stuff. So they, they told me, they, they all this couldn't be confirmed with documents that we have uh, available. Uh, so they put me in Winton Village in, in Clinton, South Carolina. I stayed there for um, uh, nine years, ten years. That's where I met Robert Fletcher. He was my child psychologist. Went there from age nine to age fifteen. And, and when they released me, then of course that's when I did my traveling and studying martial arts different places. But getting back to uh, the LA County, um, I'm sorry for jumping around like that. No, yeah. it's okay. Thirty minutes. So, so. Uh, I did four years in the county jail. I, I While in jail, I, I get in fights with uh, uh, James Holliday, who's the BGF general, uh, and I didn't know that. And um, I had a fight on the third floor Chow hall. Me and a guy named Virgil Kimme, uh took out about uh, 16 uh, boom squads, took their equipment from them because they were abusing us, uh, uh, slapping us around. It was... Virgil Kimmy, who they slapped, uh, I just happened to be there when it happened, and he happened to be a good friend of mine, and uh, I just helped him. We were good friends because we had something in common. We both studied kempo, um, and we didn't know that it was going to turn out. We were scared, but we came out on top. So um, we didn't get prosecuted for that, but we made some friends with the uh, LAPD at the time, including Sheriff Peter J. Pitches, who took an interest in me. After the incident between me and Doc Holliday, James Holliday, we, uh, they moved me to the Hall of Justice Jail, which is where I met uh, Lieutenant uh, Michael Rupert. Uh, he was involved with uh, exposing the CIA on the Contra, uh, 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 Iran-Contra affair with the drugs, cocaine being introduced to the United States. Uh, to the Crips and the Bloods. Uh, He recruited me and um, uh, got me involved with Operation Boomerang and then eventually turned into uh, Pegasus, uh, Operation Pegasus in uh, 82, 84, Operation uh, Watchtower, uh, which is the incident at ODB in uh, El Salvador and uh, on the Tigris River where My friends were killed because of bad intel. So uh, me, uh, Marchinko, and Bo Gritz, um, these are people that were involved in some of these operations, decided that we were gonna not go on any more operations. uh, And we just would like disgruntled, I guess, but this thing could have been avoided, but they screwed us over. And it seemed like it was intentional, just the way everything went down. So um, uh, in, in, in 88, I, I mean, I go back to South Carolina, prepare for the Battle of Atlanta with Joe Corley. Uh, I did a breakdown there, and Ed Parker contacted me and said, hey, you know, you did, uh, Joe tells me you did a breakdown there of uh, uh, 50, 60-something inches of concrete. Yeah, yeah. He said, can you do that up here? And I said, well, I've been working on a, a 100-inch concrete break. And he says, if you do up here, I'll make you a millionaire. So I prepared in Atlanta, got everything together. Uh, he paid for me to come out to uh, Huntington Beach. I stayed in Huntington Beach, prepared for the uh, the uh, uh, 25th silver anniversary of the Ed Parker's International Karate Championship. And... Um, Uh, I did a uh, concrete break 89 inches. Some of the bricks was broken. Um, So um, after that, I made it on the cover of Inside Kung Fu. Uh, I had already been on Kung Fu magazines before. Uh, I'm just giving you a brief synopsis. Uh, And uh, anyway, uh, so after that, somehow someone got information about a, a concerted effort to coordinate me, uh, Ricky Ross, uh, 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 Michael Rupert, uh, and um, um, uh, Gary Webb to get involved with maybe maybe coming up with documents to show that uh, we need to be reimbursed for this incident uh, in uh, El Salvador uh, in Nicaragua, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't coordinate anything right at the time, but um, I ended up leaving California, well, staying in California, and uh, I used connections I I knew about in El Salvador and Nicaragua to make extra money. I hadn't, it was just fun and decided. It had nothing to do with a criminal ma- mentality. I just, I've always had needed something adventurous to do. And that was, even though it was stupid what I did, running, I ran cocaine through Huntington Beach, uh, and they were busting all of our adult runners. So rather than use adult runners, I, I stupidly picked kids, street kids, kids that were street smart, knew the alleys, knew everything about in and out. They were small enough to get in and out of holes and areas where adults couldn't. So it was easy, it was easier for them to avoid police. And so what I did was uh, uh, I ran drugs for a while, about six months. And then once I realized they started tapping our lines and uh, doing surveillance on us because I had intel on that from the inside the DEA, and uh, I, I stopped. And I, I told the kids, I paid them all five grand a piece and there was four of them uh and one of the males was uh i'm not going to say his name but he, he's he's one of the ones that came forward just recently with the letter to the court saying that he lied uh, i was accused of uh, child molestation or not molestation but uh lewd touching which is massages or something like inappropriately touches, uh which i did not do um they they uh Sent me jail for that, Orange County jail. They tried to extradite me from Georgia. I left what I'm going on. I went to Georgia first. First, I did the Sally Jesse Raphael show in New Haven, Connecticut. Then went to Georgia. So they, they found out I was in Georgia and they sent a team down there to pick me up, the Extradition Corporation of America. And Extradition Corporation of America. Uh, tried to extradite me from Georgia back to California. When they got into Arkansas. They happened to run into, they tried to drop me off at uh, Sheriff King's jail in, in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now Sheriff King was uh, a pretty good sheriff. He, 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 fair man. he says, well, okay, let me see your work. So he said, so, okay, I need a copy of that. We're holding there. And then Sheriff, after they left, Sheriff King come and talked uh, uh, to me. He said, what's, what's going on here? This doesn't, I know who you are. This isn't, seem like something to be honest, And then when I ran it down to him and everything, he said, let me do some checking on this. So he contacts uh, a Little Rock and calls to somebody there and they check. and said, wait a minute, that warrant number ain't even active. That's not even an active warrant number. It's not, it's not valid. So Sheriff King ends up getting a court order to release me. And if uh, you'll check the papers in Arkansas back in 1980, December of 88, You'll see all the hoop-rock uh, uh, about what happened. Because uh, uh, Bill Clinton of the government at, at that time, in told California, California tried to send ballot down to get me. Clinton got on national television and said, you, you send down on to my state, they're gonna send them back to you in body bags. That's a fact. So I had a lot of attention, political attention on this case, so they had to find me guilty. So what they did, they put me in that Orange County jail and they took up to the court for the first time, and there's media everywhere, everywhere. And uh, this, that famous picture where you see me like this uh, and stuff, that was pictures went around the world everywhere. Uh, so when I get back to the jail, they have me meet with a doctor named Richard Joyce, known doctor for uh, forced medicating people. He come and talk to me about five minutes. He look, you, know, you know, you're a pretty dangerous person uh and uh you got all kind of abilities and stuff uh and plus you you participated in things uh escapes and things like that you have a knowledge of uh, a locking devices and things like that that most people don't have uh i think you're a threat to the jail and my my officers i'm gonna have to medicate you and do your port thing uh to uh for their protection and yours. And there was really nothing I could do about it. They forced medicated me. Sent about 20 deputies in there held me down and injected me with 40 uh, milligrams of per dog, and then uh, I think uh, cogentin. And for so the next six months, I'm being injected uh, three days for every court plan. But that was after I pleaded not guilty. And my attorney, uh, Jerome Goldfine, says you need to cooperate with your uh with us and pleaded this case because they they got you i said they got someone lying someone's telling them to say this because i didn't do it well um we need you to plead guilty and i said i'm not going to plead guilty what i want is another attorney so i go to court thinking i was going to get an attorney and i didn't they appointed the doctor doctor to uh examine me, and that's when he says hey, you know you're a danger you're a threat we're going to medicate you you go going to court Uh, so you don't escape and, uh, next thing they know, uh, the doctor and my attorney is getting me to change my plea from not guilty to guilty. Uh, soon as I change my plea to guilty, the medication stopped. So here's your political case. They've already had uh, egg on their face because they, their, their work was just destroyed and everything. And, and, uh, Sheriff King says, look, this man stayed with my family, my kids and everything. If he was a child molester or anything like that, there would have been some evidence or something. Anyway, um, so uh, I wound up getting 17 years in prison. I did 10 years of that 17 years. Now, while, while this is all going on, nobody told me about a civil commitment. It didn't even exist. The SVP law didn't even exist when, I, when this crime was supposed to happen. And the SVP law didn't exist when they sentenced me. So 10 years after my sentence, the SDP law come into effect. I'm in a Tascadero. Uh, I mean, I'm in a uh, Folsom State Prison. I've been to Pelican Bay, Folsom, uh, all those places. Pelican Bay State Prison, I did four years in shoe up there. Uh, they tried to kill me three times. Look at that, right here. Um, so, um, um, and I ended up having to kill an, uh inmate in prison for stabbing me in the neck at Corcoran. So, um, uh, I wind up, uh, getting out and rather than get out, my wife comes to pick me up. My wife died of bone meal cancer on May 17, 2000. Uh, I winded up getting out. Uh, sh- uh, she died shortly thereafter. I went to, um, uh, uh, uh and, um, uh, I stayed there for 10 years fighting the law on the Hydric versus Hunter. And, uh, then they transferred us from, from there to, to Kalinga. Uh, which is right here at Colina State Hospital, uh, but it's really a uh, shadow prison. Uh, and here, ever since I've been here, uh, I mean, just to, it took them 18 years to get me to a civil trial. 18 years to get me to a civil trial. But um, it's only supposed to take them a year. Um, I had two jury trials. I had one trial that says, no, he's he's, he's not guilty. You know, I mean. He doesn't, he doesn't meet the criteria. He does not know he doesn't he meet the, the criteria for as to The D, The DA uh, uh, almost it's fell out of a seat. The judge goes like this on uh, tape uh, right there. Everybody saw it. You see the judge and the DA were both shocked at the jury's verdict. So they ordered a new trial and this time they brought the victims in. They even brought in the one victim who just recently uh, sent a letter to the court saying, lie, he's the prosecution's key witness. Uh, RG. RG, that RG I uh, and uh, so um, uh, they brought, uh, and, and they started doing down government our government rules government rules government to evidence. We couldn't present the same evidence we presented in the first trial. The judge did it. Judge Duffy. Jacqueline Duffy at San Luis Obispo Superior Court. Of um, and so, what, what happened after that is they went on our case down but we couldn't, we couldn't show any videos of performances, meeting our kids and other stuff, and, and my reaction and behavior around them, or any, anything to do with showing good character, or, uh, uh, any, anything. Uh, and, and they brought the victims in, uh, with pictures of them when they were underage, and, and it, they, they, they trial went for eighteen days or something like eighteen days. They, uh, they uh, uh, went into deliberation for uh, five days. Come out and said, "I meet the criteria." So uh, it's, it's over. Uh, I'm, I'm here for uh, the rest of my life. Uh, there at this facility, there there is no treatment. The treatment they have, they do have treatment. But these are the people who are treating us, like he's Mr. The, uh, uh, he's a behavior specialist, who was um, all, one of my facilitators here, because uh, I'm in the group, who so was just- for possession of child porn and uh, 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 they're uh, for sodomizing the child. Um, then you have these guys, this, this was a staff member here, who brings bringing child pornography. You have a patient here, good friend of mine, CJ. Uh, uh, he, uh, he was used by Department of Police Services. They brought him in drugs and phones to uh, sell to the patients. Uh, and he videotaped himself. You can go around on the blog that Jen did, and you can see the video where he talks about how the DPS got him working as a confidential informant. And he turned it against him. When he did that, they came to prison. Um, right now in the newspapers around California, we have it's upset. No, it's right here. Oh. We have violence in, in at State Hospital takes toe on staffing levels. Um, but what they don't say is how the violence is being out there. I mean that most of the violence that has taken place is done through uh, uh, because they're not uh, de-escalating. We got good staff members here, don't get me wrong, but we have a lot of staff members, as cited on a blog, who say we need to be executed, we we need to be castrated, uh, uh, and we need to, uh, we don't deserve the air that we breathe. Those are staff members who, some work here, and it's this place is a a sterile dungeon. It is not a place uh that is therapeutic. I've been here fifteen years. What mental health treatment takes fifteen years to to get to to solve whatever mental health issue you have um i don't i mean i I have a case now going before the courts with this victim who came forward and said the DEA and detectives talked him into lying. He said he told him before I was going to court that he lied and he says, it doesn't matter. He pleaded guilty already. He told him in 88 that he lied and they told him it doesn't matter. He pleaded guilty already. Now he's coming forward in court and telling them, look, you guys still got this man locked up on a lie. And he's saying, you know, God will never forgive me. I, I, I'm a Christian now. I got to get this off my chest. This man didn't do anything to me like that. I ran drugs for him, yeah, but you didn't charge him with drug running. You charged him with something that I said he did that he didn't do. And I said he did it because you told me to say he did it.
0: Is that information public about the new trial?
1: Uh, n- not yet, uh, We because it's still in the in the first developing stage generate, they're depo- they've already deposed him. They're doing the uh, 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 letters to, well, Scott Taylor is my attorney out of uh, San Luis Obispo. Uh, it's called a Taylor defense firm. You can look him up. Um, he's the one appointed hand- uh, to my case. Rudy Kraft out of San Luis Obispo will be the attorney uh, who will be taking it to, to trial for me because he was my appellate attorney. And he made all kinds of mistakes. Let me, let me tell you something. The attorney who represented me at my civil trial, his name was uh, Raymond Allen. He was a really good attorney, real good. He did a hell of a job on the first trial. Something happened after he won that first trial between the first trial and the second because his whole method of how he was representing me changed. He didn't question the victims. And I told him, question the victims. You you can get them to admit that they lied and why they lied. He never did it. It was like he was forbidden from questioning. And now, and when I talked with him on the phone a couple of weeks ago, he says, that is a tactical decision that I am still regretting to this day, especially in light of this uh, victim coming forward. I should have listened to you.
0: We have, we have four minutes left, and the one part that there's a gap that I would like for you to fill in really quick is when you got out of the hospital, I'm so sorry to hear about your wife, but you got out, how did you end up there?
1: They took me straight from the prison to the hospital.
0: So you didn't even get to see your wife? No. no. Why did they take you straight to the hospital when you were released from prison, or was that part of the deal?
1: No, that's not part of the deal. They they rectoactively applied the SVP law to, to me uh, without due process. I, I knew nothing about the SVP
0: law. That sounds very familiar with what happens at MSOP. Okay. All right. Yeah, continue. I mean,
1: it's, it's terrible. I mean, we can continue this on another time, but uh, here's the thing. This is a terrible place, a very dangerous place. We we got issues on this unit right now with people running around beating up old men, take, extorting money out of them. Uh, uh, Tearing up there, but I got my property hidden. I have to. I have to uh, make devices to protect myself with. Uh, and staff hands are tied; they can't do nothing. Uh, the program and administrations are the ones that keep putting these dangerous individuals on on this unit. I mean, look, the SVP law is bad, but I mean, and, but they are dangerous individuals that that still need something. They need some taken care of, but. Uh, I don't, they shouldn't be taking these youngsters and, and bringing them on a unit. I, I'm on a medical unit, uh, uh, and I, we shouldn't be exposed to this this uh, f- uh, threat of harm 24/7. Uh, and we got patients being beaten up bad on this unit, and we it needs something needs to be done. And this is something we need to continue on.
0: Have you? Is it true that you refused any? type of treatment? I've refused treatment for
1: the last 20, 30 years because there is no exit in their treatment protocol or their, their curriculum. It's just, they it's its a scam. It's a big scam for money. $388,000 a year it costs to keep me in here. Where's that money going? I'm not getting it. No. I'm not getting it Yes, But I, I started treatment last, uh, uh, I started treatment in January. For the first time,
0: how's that going?
1: I have to prove that going through this treatment ain't going to get you out. Mm. Like uh, a lot. There's people who's been in treatment for 18 years and they ain't got out yet. How am I going to get out of them? Yeah, it's not going to get you out. I mean, you look at this place from the inside. They need an oversight committee at this facility to see what's going on. I really do. There's, there. We've had 45 deaths at this facility in the last two years. Jeez. 45. It's the highest mortality rate in the state of any institution, both prison and hospital.
0: Before before this closes, I want you to finish with this. What does Jen mean to you? Jen
1: Jen is wonderful. She is my girlfriend. She has been helping me all along. Uh, she's she's just. Unbelievable. She means everything to me.
0: Cool. Anything else you want to say before they cut you off?
1: Just to pay attention to the civil commit. If you want to get a good example of what this place is like, look at the Minority Report with Tom Cruise. The Minority Report. It's, it's pre-crime detention. How are you going to lock someone up for a crime they might commit in the future? That's what they're doing here. They're not locking me up for a crime I committed. I already served my time for that. They're locking me up in punitive conditions for a crime I might commit in the future, like locking you up on a hunch that you might commit a crime in the future. And, and the state evaluators, that's another thing. It's, it's terrible. We'll, we'll continue this another time.
0: Yes, sir. James, God thank you, sir. You. God, bless thank you, God bless you, man. Do they exit us out? Oh. There you go. I'm about to explode. Come with me now. Get low. I'm about to. I'm about to. up and up to. I'm about to.
1: I'm up to. I'm about to.
0: All right, what's up everybody? So we just uh wrapped up with James and of course I was on camera recording the screen and Jessica was sitting back there listening and the reason why is because we are we see this through completely different lenses and I wanted her to have an opportunity to listen to James for the first time because for me I've had I think 30 phone calls with James and emails with his people and I've been on a wild goose chase with talking to different people trying to gather information. And I want to say this. I've, I've met some wild people. Uh, Frank Dukes from, and I don't care if he gets mad that I'm saying his name. Uh, Frank Dukes, the guy that the movie Bloodsport was about. Yeah. I've been talking to him, uh, and a guy named Bo and, um, and then, and some other people that I can't say their name. And, uh, I will say this. I, understand how easy it is to deceive people and make people think whatever you want to think, especially if you're a good manipulator. Uh, and there's no doubt about it that James is absolutely skilled in those areas. He's the master of deception. He did it on national TV in front of everybody. I think she's shaking her head. I can't see her because I'm looking at the camera. I can feel her moving. Um, there's a. Uh, there, uh, let's put it this way. Everyone around him... I question big time. There's one person that was brought up that is his girlfriend. There's something about her that I like, and I don't know why, because I don't really know anything about her. But there's something about her that I do like. But there's a lot about him that I question and I'm not sure about. And um, everything that he said today is basically repeated from what I've already been told. I don't have any new information or depth, but I have a crap load of names. The only thing that I will say about the interview that I wish he would have done, and there's no telling why that he doesn't do this, it could have something to do with being in prison for so long, but the lack of eye contact was something that was a flag to me. I don't know if he's being honest. Um, I'm not going to defend him, uh, but I do want to know more. What I do know is this. There are some things that absolutely line up with truth and that are consistent with what I've heard from other people in shadow prisons and their family. So I think what he's saying in that respect with the horrors that go on, this uh, the SVP law that he's talking about is sexually violent persons law, uh, which no one probably wants to say that out loud, but that's indeed what it is. Um, I don't know what to think, but I probably have more red flags than I did before, uh, other than the fact that I definitely know there's some innocent people there Um, and what happens in that prison can't be good, but there's a lot of freaking evil that's in that prison too, as well as MSOP. So I'm actually really curious, Jessica, to know your thoughts. And I, you've not, I told you not to share your thoughts with me. I think I kind of know what they are, but I asked you not to share it because I want to not influence anything you say. And I want you to speak freely about what you thought because you came in this with fresh ears. You're not influenced by anything else except for what you've heard from me, but now you've heard from James the first time. So share from your perspective what you think, and be unfiltered. Be honest.
2: Well, honestly, um, I don't know what I think completely. I can see I, while he was talking, I just started down names and, and things that stood out to me um and kind of started researching what popped up with that um i can see where there probably are people that are being mistreated there um but i also don't believe him mm-hmm. <laughs> um he uh, had some moments where he was unable to answer questions very direct questions and there's a lot of stuttering and then you put that with the eye contact and he, he does a lot of names and dates and throws all these things out. Um, but I mean, one of the names that I've looked up is one of the first names, of this Robert Fletcher. Um, and there is a psychologist that pops up in the Google search. However, when you type in that name and the hospital, um and psychologist a whole big ol case file comes up of someone else who is not the psychologist but just horrible 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 things that have been done to children and i don't know if he is telling the truth however i can see from what he's told you uh, that he's done really bad things and he doesn't take accountability. He, uh, one story, uh, when they didn't have any money, he admittedly said he, they didn't have any money. So they went in the hired male escorts and robbed them and assaulted them sexually. But he didn't sound like he felt bad. He just said, I didn't know any better.
0: Um, About the robbing.
2: Okay, but that was in the same story. Like it was all the same. He's
0: rubbing his, yes, he said another guy rubbed his penis on the guy's yeah. head. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then he said he was talking about um the fights and James Holiday, and he said he just happened to be there, which is another, um, another moment where he's not taking any sort of accountability. Uh, the from what I was just reading in that short amount of time, it was basically saying that uh, what the condition of that most of the men in there have, where they're attracted to children and they act out violently, um, it sounds like that takes a really long time to treat, and it's very unlikely to be fully healed and if they're in a place where there is no God, welcomed into I mean I could see why. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um I I think there's a lot of questions. I Mm. don't I don't see his fruits when he tells us what's going on. But it's the first conversation. So
0: Yeah, I um well I wanna talk I wanna address the healing thing really quick because the healing part I want to speak to because I've got my own stuff like I I'm not a sexually violent person um, and I'm not a molester or a sexual abuser that's that was never my thing even being strung out and all the stuff um, but I definitely was a chem sex addict and addicted to the rush of extreme sex orgies gangbangs, um, all, all this stuff like anything to fulfill and feed the beast what it wanted. I did. I'm fortunate that it never went off into the direction of minors or things like that or animals or anything in that regard. However, I still don't look at my, my sinful past and go, well, and and want to compare it because I look at it as just as evil and dark um, because I, I was evil. And The healing part i can tell you that it's been six years of faithfully serving the lord and we've been together for two and a half years and i think the only reason why i've progressed in my healing so much is because of jessica's help and love and teaching me to love and helping me love myself and and really working with me with the multiple personalities the did and and helping love each altar and it's 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 you've created an environment for me to be able to thrive and and heal. But I'm not all the way healed. And I believe in, like, the episode, the broadcast that is labeled on our website and our network, the Live Mana Network, what was it? It was a Homosexual, <laughs> Bisexual, Straight, and Perverted Christians. Oh, <laughs> that was the one that was titled... And it's because a lot of the healing that I needed came from, well, trying to know what was right because I know what feels right. But then if I read the Bible and the Bible is telling me that I'm an abomination uh, for half of my sexuality or whatever, like that hurts. And then I beat myself up and shame myself and be it's like, and it's awful. So there's no healing there when there's shame, there's no healing when you're feeling shame and awful and hating yourself. That's that there's no love present there. Therefore there's no healing
2: because those feelings are not of
0: God. Right. None of them are. So I've for, uh, for as long as I can remember, um, had tried to find the truth and understand it to match what felt right in my spirit to what the word of God said, or what they say is the word of God. Uh, and I, and again, I love the Bible, but I set off on this quest to find the truth. And, and I believe that I found it and what that means. And so now I have been given this opportunity to go, okay, well, now I can quit beating myself up so I can start that healing journey. However, what I've discovered about what it's saying in the Bible where I believe is wrong and they've used the wrong word and they're using a word that wasn't even invented yet when the Bible was written, blah, blah, blah. It, watch the episode. It makes more sense. But also when I act, if I act out in a way that is not of God, in other words, just because there is a misconception about the word homosexual in the Bible and it not being the actual right word. And it's really not condemning, condemning homosexuality. It also doesn't excuse sinning against your body. It doesn't, it also doesn't excuse immoral acts and lusting after, uh, watching porn and masturbating like a monkey or whatever, whatever it is. Like that doesn't justify that. It doesn't justify sleeping around and being a whore. It's none of that because ultimately God wanted us to be in loving relationships and share because first Corinthians, where's my phone, sweetheart? Um, is it right behind me? Oh, here it is. I want to read this. This is important because this is the, the staple of um, the broadcast that I was going to do. And I just felt like you belonged in this broadcast. So um, I want to go to the Bible and I want to do first Corinthians seven. Here we go. Man, I really like this app seven. So, is this... Okay, here we go. Um, is this about the spiritual? This is what I thought I read. Salvation is a costly proposition. You and your body belong to God. So use your body for the work of God and not selfish pursuits. So if my selfish pursuit is trying to get my rocks off <laughs> and I'm neglecting my family because I'm needing to have... Kinky sex or whatever. Well, that's not really of God. Um, at all. And I could give a million examples, but I gave most of them in the broadcast yesterday. So we will not go there. Uh, now to the topics you raised in your last letter. Some have said it is better to better for a man to abstain from having sex with his wife. Well, I disagree because of your tendency to embrace immoralities. Each man f- should feel free to join together in sexual intimacy with his own wife and each woman should join with her own husband. Husbands and wives have reciprocal duties. Each husband has the responsibility to meet his wife's sexual desires, and each wife should do the same for her husband. In marriage, neither the husband nor the wife should act as if his or own body is private property. Your bodies now belong to one another, and together they are whole. So, you know, I talk a lot about soul ties, and, um, and look, you know, they pla- practice polygamy in the Bible. There's a lot of confusing stuff around the whole idea of monogamy. But that said, um, one thing that is absolutely certain is that there is a sexual power. There's a secret, sacred power to sex that brings you and makes you one. Like when you come together, um, I just said that this is a ministry. We just said come did. Uh, and said it twice. I may say it three times just for fun. Um, <laughs> but when you do that you know you're you're exchanging dna there's an energy exchange i mean think about the life force that comes from sperm and and so when you unite there's baby it makes babies it's a powerful force so like
2: makes so much sense.
0: when you're putting your seed in anything you want well there's there's an exchange of dna there's a soul transfer there's a tie. so think about it you're in a gangbang with a bunch of people that are oh well filthy monsters guess what you're putting all over you I mean, I guess you could go into a Christian thing and like you're all praying before and like, you know, I removed these soul ties and now I'm about to take on all your soul. I don't know how that works and I don't even think I want to know right now. But the point is that sex is very powerful. And so, uh, you know, when, where we're do, how we share this matters. That's why the pure heart, the loving heart and before you join in sex, I think really, really matters because you're becoming one. So, do not withhold sex from one another unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. When the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you when you are short on self-control. Self-control is a problem. The sex stuff, the more I research sexuality and like even before the Bible, there's some wild, wild stuff and how it was viewed. And like early Christian days, they were really, really big on just no sex at all, abstaining, even if you were married. That's the early days. That's what it was like. And, um, I was again, I've been researching stuff that is just like tripping me out, but, but no one really followed it. Like in the early Christian days they were like, ah, no sex, no sex at all. And then, but what was happening is people can control themselves and they just went off like animals.
2: That's what, that's what happens when you don't let yourself have something that you're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. You just
0: can't control yourself anymore yeah there is uh and of course there's a lot more deeper context and if you go into some of the history books and that again post the, the the broadcast I did yesterday, I have the links and the studies and like these are research papers that really dive into the words and the context of the verses that talk about homosexuality, especially the first Corinthians, so let me finish I'm trying to encourage you to give you some wise counsel, so don't take this advice as a command. Interesting, it's advice, not a command. I wish that all of you could live as I do, unmarried. But the truth is, all people are different, each gifted by God in various and dissimilar ways. So here's some commentary. Paul's teaching to the Corinthians about marriage stands in contrast to the message in Genesis 2, where God declares that it is not good to be alone. There he sculpts woman from the rib of man. She was molded so that man and woman fit together perfectly. And God blesses marriage as a good thing and a beautiful thing. So is Paul contradicting the declaration of the creator God when he suggests that it might be better for some people to choose an unmarried life? Absolutely not. Marriage is a sacred union, but it is possible that many will be able to serve God more fully if they do not have the limitations that come with marriage and family. Paul shares his advice humbly based on his own experience. The tension between the beauty of marriage and the freedom from marital obligations is one we should all explore. As we come to our own conclusions, we must also carry them humbly, remembering that one is not better than the other. I'm going to stop here because this is part eight. Do you have anything I, to add? I think
2: it's situational.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: think uh, clearly uh, People that have, people that need to heal should not be married to someone that is not working with them to heal. Um, I believe that those, if, the, if you're with someone and you guys don't, you aren't synced up and you don't get it and you're not on the same mission, you shouldn't be together uh, personally, I, I agree that it doesn't maybe necessarily matter if you're married, especially if you're married by law, because I don't think God has anything to do with that. Um, no, hold on. but, but I, I mean, there's a, so many things in there that are situational where it says not to withhold sex and then the Catholic Church took that and ran with it and then you've got rape in the home and the women are powerless and it's you have to have a good foundation Mm. to be able to take these things and apply them in any way at all to your life
0: i man that is really good i mean i the more i read the bible uh and especially different commentaries i'm really starting to believe that it's more a collection of stories about people's experience with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, I mean, this says it's not a contradiction of what it's saying in Genesis and this, but well, I mean, the New Testament and Old Testament is like in direct competition with each other. And there's a lot of things, in my opinion, I know people disagree, but they do contradict each other. And I mean, all through the Old Testament, they're practicing polygamy and the people and the stories that are people in the Bible are doing it too. People, God's favorite people in the Old Testament were practicing polygamy in some form or fashion. They were murderers. They, I mean, they did a lot of bad stuff. There was incest. There was all kinds of crazy and not that that was ever condoned, but these are the people. And then the Old Testament seems to go completely against that, which I don't what what's right because if you're supposed to read the whole bible how are you applying this to your life and so I really believe this is more of a collection of stories that's it's like the hero's journeys and the stories of people's gods and if you notice if you notice uh in the bible sorry I got distracted we have kids running up the stairs um if you notice so many of the stories in the bible mimic the story of Jesus mm. because ultimately we all have our own cross to bear we have our own journey it's we have our own hero's journey that very much is very similar to Jesus's and I'm not saying that Jesus's story is symbolic I'm not saying that um, I believe it's absolutely true but if you really think about it our stories are the same with the exception of we sin. So, anyway, I want to finish this, and then we'll move on. Uh, to those who are unmarried and widowed, here's my advice. It is a good thing to stay single as I do. If they do not have self-control, they should go ahead and get married. So, basically, if you want to bang, you should get married. That's what this is saying to me. And that doesn't seem like a reason to get married at all. What?
2: Worst reason ever.
0: That's the worst reason, because, yeah, it's the worst reason. I won't <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: they should go ahead and get married. It is better to marry than to be obsessed with sexual urges. To those who are unmarried, here's my command. I mean, this also just shows you that marriage back then really had nothing to do with love. Like, people were getting married by the house, the mountainside with goats and all that, and there's crap and flies everywhere, and they're just getting married and making a covenant with God like this whole idea of the marriage the the whole wedding business is a scam.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh sure. my gosh. They just want your money. It's
0: just a scam and it's just a government bullcrap thing because this the, the the whole idea of 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 I mean, look, I'm madly in love with you. I love you with all my heart, but really, I've married for what I thought was love before and that was a disaster. I'm married to you and committed to you and I we have a covenant with God because you're my best friend. Like you're who I want to do life with. We do life well together. And so the days that we're not being good husband and wife, we become friends and we're not being very good friends. Then we go to family. Like we have that. And I love that. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. And But when I read this, it's like, I feel like we've been lied to even about how marriage is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think I love you more when I don't feel in love with you. Does that make Love sense? Love
2: can be very mystifying. It can be, um, it it can cause you to, it can cause illusions. It can, <laughs> it can make things make you seem stupid. a certain way, and then you choose to overlook other things because that feeling is so euphoric. It, it's almost like a drug. It just takes it's over. It's like you. ecstasy. Yeah, and I can.
0: Say, I've done some dumb stuff on ecstasy.
2: Uh, I don't think <laughs> I have ever been single longer than like you can snap your finger because all of a sudden like i you know feeling free ready to like take on the world just me and then all of a sudden love shows up and that euphoria and that desire to have the fairy tale just takes over and then next thing you know a year later after your first marriage we just wanted a baby and a husband and wanted to do the fairy tale and you got a black eye and you're just getting picked up on the side of the road and you got to get divorced now like and spend a lot of money (laughs) and it sucks so yeah i don't think marriage is what it's supposed to be at all i think that love is uh fleeting and it's more about the principles
0: Mm -hmm. i what and i so to add to what you just said and I love this. To those who are married, here's my command. And it says in quotes, To be clear, this isn't merely my opinion. It comes from the teaching of the Lord Jesus. It is not right for a wife to leave her husband. If she does, she must either remain single or reconcile with her husband. But she should not marry someone else. Likewise, the husband should not divorce his wife. To everyone else, here's my counsel. And so, eh, hold on, I've going to wait. To everyone else, here's my counsel this is not a direct command from the lord it is my opinion so now we're taking opinions in the bible and it's the word of god it's not the little it's not the little word of god people quit saying that it's not the literal word of god and if it's the literal word of god then words can't be changed and i've got historical document after historical document which is in that episode from yesterday um the the homosexual bisexual christian perverted whatever um uh, uh, <laughs> well, i couldn't think of a better title i, I was going to put faggot just be, but that was like too abrasive yeah. and and i think people would have assumed that i was like being derogatory and that wasn't it at all in fact it was much different but there's opinions there's commentary there's words that are changed sentences removed and if it's a little word of god i would think that if you manipulated his words god would burn your hands off he would, your head would explode. You wouldn't cease to exist. So, uh, so I think that's a lie that's been sold to everybody. And, uh, and I, cause I don't think that God would stand for that, which also furthers my suspicion that we live in some level of hell because that's the only way that that would be allowed and, uh, people would live to do it because it's blasphemy.
2: Right. I, th- I agree with the living in some level of hell. I used to think we just lived in hell, it's but the level I can see, because right now we're the minority, because I, I believe there's a good chance that we would be the majority, but they've poisoned and killed off all the rest, and the evil are in charge right now, and I mean, it's just one step closer to Jesus coming back and... God take it over again I
0: wish you would hurry although I'm kind of enjoying watching the Bible play out because I, I, I want to make this clear I question a lot about the Bible but that's the point of having the Holy Spirit because he will reveal truth to you
2: it's not questioning God either no by questioning no. It's actually giving more it's respect, questioning man more respect to God by not idolizing a book that man wrote about God it's going straight to God as our
0: savior. Yeah. And then, and before we get into moral hierarchy about who's like, if we're being blasphemous, well, to be honest with you, if you're wearing a cross around your neck, that's as blas— I mean, look, if you can do what you want with this, but holding that cross around your neck, having crosses over your, to me, that's as blasphemous as it gets. It's as disrespectful as it gets. And it's an idol praying before,
1: praying praying before a cross or or when you're
0: holding it and rubbing it, what you're doing when you're holding and rubbing that while you're praying is you're giving the energy to that, not to God. And I know that that, I mean, that, that, that could be a stretch, but really if you want to be literal about things, why are you cutting your hair? I mean, we can go on and on and on and on and on. It's not the literal word of God or none of you would have eyeballs None of you would, your, your penises would be cut off. Your vaginas would be sewn up. You would, like, if it was literal, you'd be stoned to death. So, it's not the literal word of God. And if it was, then any text at all, any di- version of the Bible that is not actually God's word is blasphemous. So we gotta be very careful about this. But at the same time, it is an amazing, amazing book that is a life-giving And it's a great way to get to know the Holy Spirit. But I've said this before, I can read James Patterson and the Holy Spirit will show me stuff. So do with that what you want. All right. If a brother has a wife who does not believe in Jesus' teaching and the truth of his resurrection, he is to stay with her as long as she's willing to live with him. The same is true for any sister. You should not leave your husband even if he has no allegiance to Jesus. Here's the reason. An unbelieving husband is consecrated by that union, touched by the grace of God through his believing wife. Praying wife is awesome. The same is true when the husband is a man of faith and he's wed to an unbelieving wife. His wife is consecrated through their union. If this weren't so, your children wouldn't be pure. But as it is when faith enters it, God sets apart these children to be used uniquely for his purposes. So what about generational sins? That doesn't make sense. If the unbelieving spouse decides the marriage is over, then let him or her go. The believing partner is freed from marital vows because God has called you to peace. Remember that anything is possible. So the life you lead and the love you show under this strain may be what finally liberates your partner. So here's my instruction to all the churches. Each must live with the gifts the Lord Jesus grants you, and with the call God offers you. When you heard the voice of Jesus, what were your circumstances? Were you living as a circumcised Jew? If so, then don't try to undo your circumcision. When you're living as if you were an uncircumcised outsider, if so, you don't need to become a Jew. You see, whether you are circumcised or not, these outward signs aren't the issue. The way you live out the commands of God is what really matters. It is important to all the people who live out faith in the circumstances they know. Okay. So I want to go back to this. You see whether you're circums... Oh, wait, wait, no. Are you, the way you live out the commands of God is what really matters. The commands of God come from you, like inside of you. I believe this with all my heart. You can read God's instruction. You can read the Bible and so on. But those of you that read the Bible... You know, when the spirit lights up and shows you something, the words come off the page. And you're like, whoa, that's what that uh-huh. really means. Oh, hey. And what's the, it likes me today. Anyway. anyway um, so I believe that because obedience is key to everything. Obedience is key to unlocking uh, the gates of heaven, the kingdom of God but also obedience uh, to the call when you're feeling led, when the spirit speaks to you and wants you to take a giant leap of faith. That's obedience. That's being honest. And you, everyone knows this by now, unless if you're just a drunk because you've you drank your discernment away or you've numbed your discernment away, but you know, when you're about to do something that is not of God and all of a sudden that's your stomach goes like, you need to feel it right there and you kind of want to throw up a little bit. That's the Holy Spirit going, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, or when you feel that up and you feel your heart pulling you, like, that's the Holy Spirit too. So pay attention to that. Obedience is there because look, without that, I'd be jabbed, boosted, never, well, probably not because I've been such a skeptic my whole life, but that, that same stuff is what pointed me to finding the facts about what was happening when the, the vid was going on so that I educated myself and saw why I don't want to take it before it was scrubbed from the news sites. By the way, it's all on archive.org. If you want to go look for those documents, they're all there. I saw them yesterday. Um, anyway, so I, I want to say that obedience is important. A call to faith is not a call to abandon your life, family, neighborhood, and culture. We must play with the hand God deals us, not look for a new deck.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Woo! But you still have to have a good foundation. You have to have a good base. If you have trauma and you marry someone who you shouldn't, you have no place marrying to begin with, none of this applies.
0: True. It's absolutely true. And why would you want someone else's, the, the life that is designed for you is for you. So that means the bull crap you're dealing with right now.
2: Gonna teach us something.
0: It's for you. It's not, it's not against you. It's for you.
2: Gonna heal you up.
0: We got a flat tire the other day. Yeah. We haven't replaced the tire yet, but that tire going flat, where it went flat, how it went flat, not only probably saved our lives, seriously. And, uh, but also we had this crazy wild chance meeting and made it like an amazing connection when it happened um
2: very godly uh, <laughs> god
0: was in it and so life happens for you it doesn't happen to you but all the problems and the hardships and all of that it's for you to learn something even in your marriage even in your relationships your relationship troubles are there to teach you something they're to help you heal and or to show you that you're just being a freaking jerk <laughs> you need to be nicer whatever but it's teaching you something all right. Um, even in the worst circumstances, faith can change the believer from the inside faith. Man, that's what to live on, if you ask me. Did you hear God's voice while you were a slave? Don't be concerned. But if the opportunity comes to gain your freedom, then take it. For the slave who hears... I Actually, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to read it anymore because I don't like this verse either when it talks about slavery. Because um, I want to do more research on the slavery stuff. Because like a lot of, a lot of people have used the Bible and what it says about slavery to justify enslaving people. And I'm, I don't stand for that. I don't believe in that. And like, look, I know it could be taken out of context, whatever, but I got a problem with it. Just like being obedient to this government it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I don't feel in my spirit that I should be obedient to this government because I don't believe they have their best interest for my life. Um, so uh, the slavery topic, I don't want to read that. I don't want to uh, until I have more facts. Ah, hi. Until I have more facts, I, um, I don't want to touch. So do you have anything you want to end with, honey? Um,
2: I mean, that was a lot. That, that was a, was a lot. <laughs> To take in, um, I definitely, um, I mean, discernment's hard. Mm. Figuring out how to discern all of these new situations, um, it's hard. And without guidance from the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. So I, I'm gonna be talking to, to God a lot.
0: Yeah, especially about this and how to handle it uh with James and respect to James. Um all I know is all the whole time I just wanted to like I wanted to pray for him because I do believe that God can heal all and uh I do believe he needs healing. But I just don't I don't know. I don't know. I I and you talk about discernment. You know like I can speak with like from having DID. I know that Joshua speaks the truth, but what's true to some of the other altars may not be true to Joshua. So when they speak, it can contradict Joshua sometimes. But also with those shifts, it makes it hard to discern because you're looking at the person you trust, but then the person actually talking is maybe not someone you trust. And so with these guys that have been through a lot of women too, men and women, uh, that have been through even, even transgendered and whatever other genders there are, typically this happens from neglect, abuse and, and, and pain and suffering and trauma and blah, blah, blah. And, um, so they have alters because those altars were, were there to help initially. They just can, some of them can, can become monsters as I know is the, our book, the devil inside me. And, uh, which is about my monsters. So that's, you know, very well, we could be talking to an altar.
2: Well, and I, I very well believe that everyone has altars in them. Um,
0: hmm. I
2: believe that I ever it's, Everybody's been through trauma.
0: It's true. Especially the last few years. The
2: extent of their trauma, Mm. it varies. And they might not even know the extent of their trauma. Yeah. I mean, most people I don't believe do know the extent because the mind is so miraculous that it will hide things that we are not capable of handling from us until we are capable, which takes healing, and it's if true. people don't know what they need to heal from or that they need to heal, they aren't going to heal. Mm. And those memories are just going to stay hidden from us forever.
0: Beautifully said. You've been on quite the healing journey. It's been really amazing to watch. Um, of course, I've been on my own, too. And, um, you know, here's the thing. It's a lot of work. It's been a crazy journey for me it's been a wild journey for you i've been able since we've been in each other's life i've been able to watch you go through it and it's not easy to watch always um but it's also beautiful and god will heal you and sometimes it's a journey sometimes it's you hard. don't and it's hard <laughs>
2: it's not and it takes
0: commitment but it's worth it because of the breakthroughs and the fruit
2: and what you turn into and what you
0: turn into yes that's so good um but God's not going to heal some things he doesn't take away for a while. And, um, and there's a reason for it. It may not make sense at the time, but stay with it. It's worth it. Those of you who are on healing journeys, keep going, keep trusting God. And, um, I, I want to pray real quick and then we'll quit. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, um, for I actually getting to do, I wasn't expecting to do this today with Jessica, but I, <laughs> it was a really special, um, really grateful for her commentary and even just what she added with James. And, you know, I, 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 don't know what's going on in that hospital other than what we've heard, Lord, but I just pray that your Holy Spirit, your spirit just drops in on that prison and heals, heals and let your, let your presence be known. I, I don't know how many people actually pray for that prison, but also at MSOP, um, for the people that are innocent, set them free. But for the people that are guilty heal them heal them give them a spirit that is of repentance mm-hmm. and um and because i believe lord that if you heal the people that are labeled monsters and predators and sexually violent people i know that demon uh is is has got to be just something else That just comparing to my own demons but lord i know that you can heal anything And heal anyone and what a testimony it would be for those people that have caused pain to other people and have hurt them and have took their innocence for their testimony to be able to help others heal and it will never excuse what they've done but you do forgive all you forgive any and you forgive everything that is not blasphemous against your spirit so lord i pray that you heal and you heal all the people that are in these shadow prisons and you set them free spiritually but then also the people that have been left suffering because of what those people have Mm -hmm. done you offer them healing as well because the victims need healing their testimonies their testimonies are powerful also so thank you for this opportunity i have no idea what the purpose of what this was today is or was but I pray that you bless the broadcast and use it for your purposes to bring healing, deliverance, and truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you guys for watching. God bless. Amazing
2: grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now am found.